Welcome to the Sing When You're Losing podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn to make the most of every situation. I believe that setbacks and struggles aren't meant to stop us, they're meant to teach us. Across this series, I interview athletes, coaches, managers, trainers, and more so that we can glean from their wisdom and learn from their stories for how to sing when you're losing. In this episode, I get the privilege of interviewing Malaya Pistacacci. Malaya is in the 2020 graduating class of the University of Houston, where she was a member of their athletics program. Malaya was a competitive cheerleader in high school before converting to athletics, and you might be surprised by what events she competed in. In addition to her sporting exploits, Malaya was an academic All-American. But what stands out most is this 20-year-old's commitment to serving others. I hope you enjoy and are as inspired by Malaya as I am. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sing When You're Losing podcast. It's really good to have you back with us. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe in order to stay up to date with all the latest happenings. Today, folks, I am really excited. Uh, I have a, a special guest on the show, someone that I only met recently, virtually at that. We've never met in person, but someone that from the first five minutes of talking to her just really impressed me. Her name is Malaya Pistacacci. Did yes. I say it correctly? Yes. <laughs> yes, I said it right. Uh, and Malaya is from, well, lives now in Houston, Texas, is from South Texas originally. So Malaya, just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from, what's it, what's it like where you're from? Most of my listeners will be uh, kind of from the UK. Uh, so just explain to us a little bit about what it means to be from South Texas and from your family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was born and raised in South Texas, uh, right by the border of Mexico, my entire life, um, all the way until college came. So I lived in Texas my entire life, but specifically in South Texas. Um, and South Texas is predominantly Mexican, um, Hispanic culture, all Latin Americans are there, but it's very much of small town living. Um, but I'm so proud to be from there. Um, being there is just like the things that are, are the valley, that's what people call it, the valley. So it's the Rio Grande Valley. And if it is one, one thing that is really known for is its food. Like I, I it was, is the most amazing food you will I, ever have. I was have. going to ask because my first love is, I guess, other than family and all those things, <laughs> sports. Uh, yes. <laughs> and second love or equal to sports is food. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was going to ask, tell us about the food because I, oh I my just want to go now. If you have not gone to the Valley to eat, this is something that people need to invest in. You need to go to the Valley and you need to go to all the mom and pop shops and go get tamales and quesadillas and all the pan dulce and the tamales. They're so, so good. But I absolutely loved growing up there. It was very different compared to other areas of Texas, especially like the larger cities like Houston, where I'm at right now. Um, 
one thing that you don't see is you don't see a lot of different cultures. Like I said, it's predominantly Mexican, but it's a very loving, a very accepting environment. And it's, it's a lot of mom and pop businesses. There's not as many big franchises and stuff. Like, for example, we just got a Top Golf like two years ago, and that was like the next big thing, you know. But being from the Valley, one of the biggest stereotypes also is that people from the Valley don't go big or they don't make it or, you know, they don't become famous, you know. And when I was growing up there, me and both of my brothers, I had two older brothers, um, we didn't have thoughts like that. We always had like these really big, well, what if I want to do this? And what if I want to be in the NBA? And what if I want to be a singer? You know, these crazy dreams where for other people, I'm not saying that everyone from down there is like that, but it's just almost unheard of you know, and lots of times it's, you know, go to school, go, go to get your degree. And then after that, go back and teach or go back and work at your parents' um, business, which is totally fine. If that's what you want to do a hundred percent, if that's what you want to do and grow your family's business, then do that, fulfill it and be the best that you possibly can in it. But for me, that's not really what I, what I had in mind. And that's not what I, I pictured myself doing. So so yeah, I mean, I, I grew up there, but I think, I feel like I had bigger dreams and bigger goals for that, other than that. So you mentioned your brothers there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and how you have a different mentality. They obviously have a different mentality as well. Yes. You come from a very sporty family. Yes. Uh, your dad, <laughs> you told me, I think your dad was a boxer. Yeah, yeah. So, bo so both of my parents have very different backgrounds. My mom is killer in the education. She's so smart. She is such a powerful woman. She got her doctorate. She was in school for 14 years. You know, she did it all. If you told her that she couldn't do something, she was like, watch me. And I feel like that's definitely where I get it from. And so she's a doctor and she's also an educator now. She's a professor um, at the university down there and she changes people's lives every single day um, and she that. teaches uh, speech pathology so she teaches people how to become speech therapists so every single student that she ever had has gone back and told her you know thank you so much for changing my life you know I want to go and change people's lives the way that you changed mine so that's my mom very big on the education side and the importance of education my dad on the other hand was the jock but he was one heck of a jock so my dad used to be a boxer and i think that growing up with my dad used being a boxer in the past has really made me a lot tougher you know like we didn't go outside and ride bikes together like my dad put mitts on us like the, the gloves on us <laughs> and was like like let's go you know uppercut jab jab and that's what we were doing in the front yard while other people are riding bikes you know but hey i mean that made me who i am today and then with both of my older brothers all of us were super involved in sports and our family is super centered around sports. And I think that that's something that really brought us together. You know, my, I think all of us are about three to four years apart and all of us went to support each other at our, at our games. I literally grew up in the bleachers of basketball tournaments for my brothers, but I would watch the games. I would get in there. I've gotten thrown out of a game before <laughs> because I was yelling too much because somebody was hitting my brother. And I was like, ref, come on, ref. Like, we need to call these shots. Like, but I mean, that's what really, really brought us together. And so 
as we grew up and we went into high school and everything, our parents kind of, you know, tailored us to say, okay, what is, what is it that we're going to focus on when we get to high school? You know, you, you can't do four sports at a time. Whatever you do in high school is what you're going you're gonna to pursue in college. And so that's what we did. And my brothers went into basketball and I went into track and field and I chose track and field because I actually used to be a cheerleader. I think I told you about this. <laughs> you did. Yes, I used to be a, a cheerleader. Um, I did competitive cheer and dance for eight years. And I will say that is that is 100% a sport. Like anybody that says that cheerleading is not a sport, I promise you that it is. Competitive cheerleading, at least. Whenever I did, I did school cheer for maybe a year or two, and I was probably the worst captain they have ever had. Reason why I say that though, reason why is because while I'm at, you know, a football game, I'm so into sports, right? I want to paint my face and like go out there and yell that whenever I'm in this uniform and I have my pom-poms and I see the crowd stand up to like cheer on the fact that we're about to make a touchdown, I turn around, I drop my pom-poms and I run down the track and I'm like go 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 and I ended up getting asked to sit down for the rest of the game because I was a terrible leader as a captain but to me I'm like we're here for the game you know that's why we're here people aren't here for us so I very quickly learned I very quickly learned that school cheer was not for me and competitive cheer was probably where I should just stay but I ended up stopping that and volleyball as well. I did a little bit of volleyball. Cheer I didn't want to do in college because I wasn't that big of a school cheerleader. Volleyball I ended up not pursuing because I just like to play front row and I'm not six feet tall. So I was just going to be realistic with myself and plus my vertical is about that high. Here the five foot six cheerleader gestures with her hand about an inch and a half vertical leap, which if you know anything about volleyball, you know that's never going to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, you know, it's probably not for me. <laughs> yeah. So then I ended up pursuing track and both of my brothers ended up pursuing basketball and we all went to college for, for our sport and we all ended up being division one athletes. So. <laughs> Incredible. And I think for people who may not understand the system, when we say D one or division one athletes, that's uh -huh. the highest level of competition in American university systems. Yes. <laughs> and for one member of a family to achieve that is very good. For three mm -hmm. members of a family all to go and play division one sports is not normal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing that, a thing that you guys did that. But, and you said that generally from where you come from, the, the standards were pretty low that people had mm -hmm. for themselves. Mm -hmm. What was it that made you guys have such a, a much bigger outlook on what was possible? You kind of, you've referred to your parents, but what was it about your parents that made you think, you know what, there is more possible than, than what a lot of these people are, are seeing? I think for my brother, my brothers and I, it was just the fact that our parents supported us. You know, and so if, if there was something that we want to do, like nothing was too crazy. Uh, my One of my brothers wanted to be in the NBA. They said, okay, if you want to be in the NBA, then we're going to do everything we can to put you in the NBA. And whether that was 
all of us are working jobs to try and pay for us to go to basketball tournaments and stuff. And I think I told you, I, we, there was points when we would drive up to Houston and that's actually how I got familiar with Houston was because my brother used to play on a basketball team up here. And to just give people reference, Houston is about six hours away from where I live. And we would drive up and back from Houston, Texas, back to the Valley for a brother, my brother's basketball game or for my track meet or something like that. And there was times even where we would get picked up from school on a Friday. We would drive up to Houston, we would sleep. <laughs> we, we wouldn't even sleep, we would sleep over at a friend's house or a family up here, go to the basketball tournament and we would be at the tournament all night on Sunday night. And then we would end up driving back into school early Monday morning and we would brush our teeth in the car. We would change and get ready for school in the car on the way back from Houston in the middle of the night and get dropped off at school at 8 a.m. Wow. And I went from school to Houston to basketball tournament to school. And but that's just how we did it, you know, because I think by us doing that also, it gave us it like gave us skin in the game. You know, it gave us a sense of, of ownership and responsibility saying, you know, if I'm going to work my butt off to do all of this and I'm going to be exhausted, I better make it worth it. And so when we started to see that pay off and we started to see our performance, you know, spike and we were achieving these bigger things than than what the normal status said from from down there. You know, we're saying, you know, why would why would we why would we just stay to this? And actually, that leads me to what we actually ended up starting in the Valley. So we noticed the lack of resources when it comes to sports training or people really, really emphasizing the, the, the physical aspect of athletics from the Valley, you know, because it's just not heard of, oh, you're most athletes from the Valley don't even go to college or mo most students from the Valley don't even go to college. Most athletes aren't gonna go to college and it's definitely not gonna be D1, you know, why? Why not? What is the reason for that? And so that's when my brother actually started the Pistacachi training. Um, we actually started in our backyard and he started training his friends. They would come over and he would just train with them. And finally they're like, hey dude, like I'll pay you to train me. And then when he realized that this is actually something he was passionate about and he really liked, we've now grown and have our own facility and we train athletes all across the Rio Grande Valley. And that's Amazing. our way of giving back. And you know, motivating, motivating kids from there. Hey, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Let me help you. Let me give you the resources for it. So, I mean, we've definitely recognized and the Valley has grown so much. Even when I came to college and I was here for three months and I went back down, I already saw places pop up that I've never seen before. So it's definitely growing. It's blossoming. You know, I think people are starting to have this bigger picture, especially since entrepreneurship is coming into play and that's something in the status now and, and people are starting to have that bigger picture. So I'm glad that my family is able to provide that resource and that outlet for students and athletes. That's incredible. Um, I guess now is a good time to insert this. We'll, we're going to talk more about the sports. Uh, okay. Can you just tell everyone how old you are? <laughs> I am 20 years old. <laughs> 1999. I made the cut. I made uh, the cut for 19. <laughs> That is just insane. Uh, you're, you're talking like someone much older. Uh, the already, you know, talking about you and your brothers. How old is your oldest brother? I believe he's 26. 26 is your oldest. I, I, I want to say I believe. I I promise you. When I graduated high school, my brother still thought I was 14. <laughs> like you know, I just graduated. 
<laughs> Why would I be 14? So, so, you know, say he's 26 uh, and you're 20 and you guys are talking about already building this facility to help make other people's lives better. Yes. Through sport. Yes. That, that's just one of the things that really struck me the, the, you know, the first time we talked was mm-hmm. a lot of what you do is about making other people's lives better. But yes. you're only 20 years old. And, and that is incredible. It's, it's really, really inspiring. Uh, and again, we'll come back to it in a minute, but you've just uh, graduated or should have graduated. Yes, I did. I, I got my email <laughs> saying that it's all my transcript. It's official. <laughs> uh, so um, in three years. So you've just done a four-year okay. degree basically in three years. Uh, and played sports at a division one level and been an academic (laughs) all-american and uh, i was starting a whole new project which we're going to talk about later uh you're just phenomenal absolutely incredible thank you and that folks is is why she's on the podcast today (laughs) so just back to the sport firstly back to competitive cheerleading because Mm -hmm. Uh, in this country, cheerleading is actually growing in the UK. Okay. But it's not huge. It's growing, but it's not huge. And a lot of people just think it's weird here. Mm. How competitive is competitive cheerleading? Oh my gosh. It is very competitive when i say i have learned so much through competitive cheer because it's if you are not playing games when you're doing competitive cheerleading because that competitive cheerleading is so team oriented everything that you do is on a team you don't go out there and you don't get scored by yourself you get scored based off of what the person next to you is doing, when what the person underneath you is doing when they're holding you up in the air. The things that you have to do with your body is just, it's incredible. And also when, when you're doing things like that and you're doing a sport like that, in your mind, you know, you're getting asked to jump up in the air and spin and then land. You're getting asked to talk, get tossed into the air, do a backflip. These are things that you can do and you could possibly, you could really hurt yourself doing. Like if you landed the wrong way, if you landed on your head, if you like broke your neck, like you could, it could even be like deathly. Honestly, if you're doing something to that extreme, it's just like gymnastics when they're when they're jumping off of a, of, of a beam and they're landing on one foot, you know, that is something that you have you have in your head like I could possibly die doing this. Yes. And I know that that sounds extreme, but that's the reality of it, you know, so for people to do all of that, but still have a smile on their face and pretend and make it look effortless. It is incredible. It is remarkable. And I am so glad that I had the experience of doing competitive cheerleading because it has been implemented into my athletics a ridiculous amount, an amount that people probably couldn't even think of. I did competitive cheerleading and dance. And actually, when I started doing track, uh, I was a thrower, so I, I threw. I didn't run and I didn't jump. I didn't do pole vault. Everybody always thinks that I did one of those. Um, but I actually threw. And with throwing, it's so technical. And you're spinning in a circle, you're landing on your feet in a certain area and an angle, and then you're pushing off and you have your weight and your center of mass in different parts depending on the spin. But all of this, 
whenever I was learning how to throw, I feel like it came so naturally to me because of my background in dance and cheer. Reason why I say that is because I looked at it like a routine. I looked at it like a dance, like, okay, if I'm going to go around in a circle, where is my mask going to be? When I was doing those flips and when I'm putting my, my pressure into my feet and I'm going into a flip, where is my center of mass going to be? And it's crazy how your mind starts to put two and two together of what it's familiar with. And it almost becomes muscle memory. Okay. I understand how to make my body move this way. And also one of the biggest things is your flexibility your flexibility that you gain from doing cheer and dance is one like no other. So it's definitely helped it. And it also really, really makes you mentally tough because you know that when you go out there and you perform, all these people are counting on you. If you don't do your flip correctly, or if you land and then you fall, or if you didn't make it clean and tight and perfect, then they're going to get a point off for you. So everyone plays their part. So it's it's an amazing sport. I think it's it's very, very beneficial in all sorts of athletics in everything you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so you've alluded to what you did when you left cheerleading. So, you, I mean, you actually said to me that uh, you used to go from cheerleading practice, turn up with a bow in your hair from cheerleading, <laughs> to, to throw uh, discus and shot put. Yes, I would have cheerleading practice and then I would leave and go to shot put practice and I would still have my big bow in my hair. (laughs) Pretty much the only people we ever see throwing shot put and discus is at the Olympics, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty much the only time it's ever really televised. Yes. And that's not the image one has in one's head of (laughs) the the shot put discus or hammer thrower at the Olympics. So you and you're, I think you're what, five foot seven, I think. I'm about, I'm five, six. Five, six. six. I'm very Um, short. So this five, six cheerleader rocking up with a bow in her hair to throw shot put and discus. Yeah. Yeah. And people thought you were crazy. I would go in and, and and you have to wait outside the ring before you can go in and, and throw and everyone takes turns and it would be everybody Malaya. (laughs) <laughs> everybody <laughs> and also for throwing the the stereotype for throwing is you're you're bigger you're heavier set you're on the larger side and when I would go in everyone thought I everyone thought that I was a, a decathlete or a heptathlete they thought that I did I just got done running I did multiple events and so that's why I'm there what's interesting for this for me as well is I went to some small I went to lots of different schools as I was growing up but I went to some small high schools and there are times where you go to a small high school and you do every event you can just because there aren't many people at your school and so yeah. you can do anything but what's yeah. and so I could kind of picture you doing that you know oh, I'm going to a small school they need someone to throw that spinning thingy I can do that and but you didn't just go and throw it you actually managed to throw it well enough to go to a division one university and throw yeah. it yeah what did people do when they saw actually know you were there for real to compete actually I do just want to say how I found throwing because that was super di- I think I told you about my mom what she what she told me so I was actually I wanted to be a runner 
that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to run fast. I want to look super cool going down the track. <laughs> you know, I had this whole image in my head. I was going to have cool sunglasses on and I was ready. You know, I wanted to make that happen. And finally, one day at a summer track um, practice, my mom pulled me aside uh, and she was sitting in the bleachers and I walk up and I'm like, mom, what? You know, I'm in practice. And she pulls me aside and she like whispers at me. She's like, Mijita, you're really not that fast. <laughs> and I was like, it, it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? I thought I was like, you same bolt out here. I thought I was killing it. And she tells me that I was not fast. She's like, you're not really not that fast. I just, it, I didn't understand. And she's like, look, there's some boys over there. I remember they were on the other side of the bleachers and there are these short, you know, heavier set little boys all sweaty, throwing some metal ball. And she's like, look, they're throwing a ball. Why don't you try and go throw the ball? I looked, I don't want to throw a ball with those boys. You know, I want to be a runner. I want to look super cool in my glasses. And she's like, no, you know, try and go throw the ball. I did not want to do it. But finally I decided to go. So I picked up that ball and when I threw it, it went way farther than all the boys so then the coach that was there for throwing actually reached out to me and was like hey would you like to compete tomorrow in shot put and I'm like what is that so the next day I went to compete and for my first track meet that I ever competed in for throwing till my very first varsity meet as a freshman in high school I never lost I had never wow. lost track meet and I competed all throughout the year I did AAU I went to the junior olympics I just tell did, us what AAU stands for. Oh, athletic amateur athletic uh, union, right? Yeah, a amateur athletic. I'm pretty sure. Pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, and and I had just I had never lost, and um, so then I guess there is when I started to to realize how people would look at me differently. To answer your question, I would show up, and especially at such a young age, I think when people people put their kids in sometimes summer sports they just put them in there to oh I need to go to work right now so I'm going to put them in something and usually if you're if you're on the heavier side the the coaches would hey maybe you're a good thrower you know <laughs> that's what they would say and that's where they would end up going so I ended up competing and and here I was, you know, this tiny, short, I was a cheerleader bow in my head and I would go out there and I would win and people were just like how does this even happen? And as I grew up and I started to go into high school and now college, one of the things that I realized and I identified that was my strength, it was not my size. It was not my physical strength and how, how strong I was in, in weights, but it was my technique. And it was the way that I was able to flow through a ring. Again, granted, I was not the best. I, I was not the best and I didn't have my technique perfect. There are many flaws in it, but that was what really helped me compared to everybody else. We'll jump ahead now to college. So you, you're from, you know, small town, Texas. Mm -hmm and you get the opportunity to go to the University of Houston. Yes. And throw more heavy things. Yes. 
Which so, is great. I love it. Yeah, so what did people think about you when you turned up at your first track practice at Houston? <laughs> at the University of Houston, there's the Alumni Center, which is kind of like the hub for all the athletes. You know, you have your cafe in there, your indoor track, your volleyball courts, the outdoor track, the rings, everything is there. And when I would walk through there, everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, are you in softball or... Oh, no, no, no. I do track. Oh, no way. What do you run? Oh, no, I, I don't run. Oh, what do you jump? Oh, no, I, I don't jump. What do you do? <laughs> I throw. So it was very different. Um, but I think people started to remember. And I think even then, after I left, people still thought that I probably was a hep or a cat or something at some point. They're probably just like, maybe I just missed her race and I'm just seeing her throw right now. So, but hey, I mean, that comes with it. So I've been through it. I've, I've seen it plenty of times. So it doesn't bother me any. Amazing. Let's just talk a minute about competing at a division one level. So, you know, you did the throwing and both of your brothers uh, have played division one basketball yes. again that's that's an extremely competitive level mm-hmm. for you seeing your family members as well what's what's the key to competing at that level to actually getting there and and doing mm-hmm. it I always had like a goal in my mind especially going through high school when I was in high school I knew I wanted to be a collegiate athlete I knew that that's what I was going to do And so I would wake up in the morning and train in the morning and then go to school and then go to track practice, then go to the lockers, shower, and then go to, go to work to help pay for whatever classes it is that I needed to take to get better at track because that's what I wanted to do. And so I think when you have a goal in your mind and you're very headstrong and you know that this is what you want to do, you just figure out a way to make it happen. And so once you get to, once you get to your junior and your senior year, that's when you start realizing, hey, like I need to get my numbers up. I need to get noticed. And so once you get to that division one level, another thing is you need, always need to humble yourself because I feel like some people real, like when they're in high school, they think, oh, okay, I'm, I'm this great athlete. I'm going to go to UT and I'm going to go throw over here. Or I'm going to go be a D1 athlete here. And then when they don't get those calls, they, don't, they almost run out of time because they expect for people to just reach out to them because I am a prized possession, right? I actually did it the flipped way. So I knew I wanted to be a Division One athlete and I wanted to go do it athletics collegiately. So I made a video and it's actually on YouTube, but I made a, like a highlight video for throwing, which is super unheard of, you know, usually like for football or basketball or team sports, but I made a highlight video of my freshman and sophomore year. And I was 15 or 16 in the video. And that's what I sent out to, to um, college, college coaches said, Hey, I'm, I'm an aspiring collegiate athlete. I would love to throw for you. And I sent that to so many of them. I went and I got online. I got all of their emails and I sent it to them. And then that's how I got noticed. I think understanding that sometimes things don't just come to you. Even though I know that you worked your butt off for it, it's not going to get handed on your lap. If you know that you worked your butt off for it and you haven't gotten recognized, you go out there and you get recognized and you make sure that people hear your name. I think at the Division One athlete level, you have a lot of pressure because people rely on you to have a future. 
So for me, I knew I didn't want to be a professional athlete. I, I had different goals, but I loved being a collegiate athlete. But because of that, I was not going to, because I recognized that there's my teammates that wanted to go professional, I was not going to slack off on my end because I didn't want to take away from their dreams. I wanted to make sure that they achieve everything that they can. If they're lifting and they need me to yell in their ear and get up, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go scream in their face while they're in the middle of a squat because that's what they need. Even though I don't have those same goals and I'm there, I might as well, you know, help them achieve whatever it is that they want to do the same way that I wish that they would, I would want for them to do for me. So I guess being, to answer your question, being at a division one level, remembering where you stand, remembering what you contribute to your team and always remember that you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself, right? right? And if you know that you want to be a professional athlete, then you go be a professional athlete, but don't forget about your teammates. So it's very different. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, what really stands out is, is just the commitment to it all. You know, you don't, you don't get the level you want just through osmosis. It doesn't just happen to you. Uh, Yeah. if If you, if you want to achieve, then, go and do it. Absolutely. Don't, don't wait for it to come to you. And, uh, you know, I think obviously hearing you, uh, I will, you know, in some of my, my research, uh, I found, uh, I found that your brother, Jesse. Yes. Um, does a bit of a podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I heard him, uh, telling, you know, his story of when you guys were driving to Houston, apparently he was at in middle school being flown. Yes. To Houston <laughs> to play, to play basketball. Yes. Um, so leaving school, going to Houston and play basketball, uh, to play basketball and then being flown back, staying yeah. in a hotel with another middle school student, um, yeah. you know, but that's what he wanted to do. That was the commitment level and what mm-hmm. you wanted to go and be a collegiate athlete. And there was that commitment level there. And Absolutely. I think so many times, too many of us wait for whatever it is, whether it could be athletics or uh, it could be careers. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be relationships, it, all sorts yeah. of things that we just kind of want to happen to us rather than mm-hmm. us go and, and actually work hard and commit to something. You decided you wanted to, to play sports in college. Mm-hmm. But you knew that wasn't going to be a profession for you, but you knew yeah. you started to work hard because you were at a D1 level. Yes. But you also wanted to do well in your academics because they were really important to you. How did you balance uh, that, that being the best athlete you can be with being the best student you can be? I think I balanced it very well through not only time management, right? You know, just being a student athlete, you need to utilize time management like you never have before but I was very transparent with the people that, with my higher ups. So my coaches, they knew. They knew that I had goals and dreams of being an entrepreneur and opening up my own business. And there were things that I wanted to be a part of. But by me telling them that, I let them know that I, when I am here, I am an athlete. I am your athlete. I am going to represent you. I'm going to wear U of H on my chest and I'm going to represent the school the best that I can. And I also want to represent the school through my academics. You know, again, I am a student athlete. 
and I want to be both of those. And they, and I was very lucky to have such a great coach, uh, Coach Blackburn, and he understood that. And so whenever, if, if I couldn't make it to a, to a meeting, I would shoot him a text saying, hey, I, I'm studying for this, or I, I have a presentation for this, and he was so understanding. So by me just being transparent with the people that were above me, I was so lucky and blessed enough that they supported me and they wanted me to achieve those things. So I understand that for some coaches and everything, uh, and for some athletes, that might not be the case. You know, some athletes experience a coach that just wants them there for athletics, right? You know, they just need them there. I just need you to compete. I need you to this. I need you to that. So that is definitely something that's difficult. But I was very, very lucky to have very supportive people around me throughout that experience. Excellent. But you didn't just do the sports and do the academics. You were you played Division One sports, and you were an, ac an academic All American. Yeah, I, I graduated from uh, the number one entrepreneurship program in the nation, and I was a double major in entrepreneurship and marketing. So incredible. <laughs> because I was like, one major is not enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> incredible. So. Um, Tell me a little bit about the uh, entrepreneurship program that you did. Mm, oh my gosh. I'll try to make it short because I could talk about that for hours, but the entrepreneurship program that I was in, it got ranked number one in the nation by the Princeton review for undergraduate entrepreneurship programs in the U S and that on that program has changed my life in all of the best ways possible. I have, I found my tribe through that program. I felt like I finally wasn't crazy by being in that program. I, all of these type A personalities, very, very big dreamers, the innovators, the people that people that everyone thought was weird. And, Oh, why would you even want to do that? That was us. We were those weirdos, but absolutely amazing. Uh, it's, when I first found it and I got to the university, I knew I wanted to go into business because of my family's background with opening up the gym and everything like that. And when I got here and I'm looking at the majors and I saw supply chain and finance and accounting, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I made the worst decision. This is not for me. And then I saw entrepreneurship and I was like, oh my God, that is me. That is the one. So of course, with my luck, it ended up being the only major in the university that you had to apply to get accepted to major in. So every year, only 35 to 38 students will walk across the stage with a degree in entrepreneurship. Wow. And that's, and that's it. And so also when I heard that it was so hard to get in, I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. I mean, there's like, I have to. You found a challenge. I, I did. I said, oh my God, this is a challenge. I'm doing it 100%. <laughs> and, and yeah, and actually when I went and I, I told some of my, the people on the athletic side that I wanted to do this program, a lot of people told me not to do it. They were like, you're not going to be able to manage the time. It's, it's going to be so overwhelming. You're not going to even get in. Like, it's just not, just don't do it. You're going to waste your time. So in my head, I was like, so you're telling me I absolutely need to do this is what you're saying because 100% I'm doing it now just because you said that. And I went and I applied and I got in. And so then even after I got in, when I first got in, then the other people on this side were asking me, well, when are you going to quit? 
track and field. I said, what in the world? So the fact that there was like this stigma that you had to do one or the other, I was so determined to break that. Like I knew like I wanted to be that person that did both of them and executed both of them. And I did my absolute best to do that because if there's another athlete down the line, I want them to know, hey, if she could do it, I could do it too. If she went and she graduated and she did both of them and she deal, she still successfully did that, I want them to be able to reach out to me and ask me like for advice or if I could help somebody or motivate someone to get experiences in both of those parts, they should feel like they're able to, to do that. So, but that program is amazing. It definitely opened up my mind to so many things and it, it made me, it lit my passion for business on fire. Like nice. with a blowtorch on fire, set that thing like a bomb. <laughs> like I am obsessed with business. I love it. And I really, really found myself and a family in there and they will always be my family. But one of the best programs in the entire world, I would recommend it for anybody. Even if you don't want to own your own business, I think it teaches you a lot about yourself and self-reflection and self-purpose and your why, your why in life. I, I think it's, it's amazing. So glad I went through it. Very good. And just explain to us what an entrepreneur is. So an entrepreneur, a lot of people don't know what that word is, and that's okay. Um, so an entrepreneur is somebody who owns their own business, right? Is, is start something new, innovate something. And you don't have to necessarily um, open up something that's never, that's never been heard of before to be an entrepreneur. You can also be, there's this word of an intrapreneur, which is you are an entrepreneur inside of a business. So you can help grow a business. Like for example, business consultants, they are lots of intrapreneurs. They know how to grow, they know how to scale, but they help do that for other people. So it's taking this sense of, I wanna grow, I wanna help, I wanna give back, I wanna have this sense of service for the people, but I wanna, I'm so interested in the numbers and the profits and revenues, but how this makes a change for other people, that's what an entrepreneur is. And lots of times, if you say that you're an entrepreneur or you want to be, people look at you like you're crazy because the typical thing is you go to school, you go get a job, you work for somebody else, you go, you clock in, you clock out, and you know that you have that paycheck at the end of the day and you know that you're going to get paid because you have your salary and blah, blah, blah. And that's, if that's what you want to do because that's what makes you happy, then 100%, you know, go live that life and you're going to have the best life because that's what you want. But then there are some people who they want something a little different, you know, and that's kind of where I land. And it's very different because people wonder, you know, why would you want the stress of that? Because when you're an entrepreneur, you want to take risks. Like you have to be willing to put everything on the line. So for example, like in the middle of COVID, you know, this is something that's going on. All of these people who are employees, they're worrying about, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to get paid? you know, I'm going to go to work and I can work and I can get paid. But the entrepreneur is wondering, how am I going to pay my people for them to feed their families, their children, their spouses, everyone? How am I going to make sure that they are okay? So you're not just, you're not just waiting, man, am I going to get my salary check? You're wondering, how am I going to provide for this, these people? So it's a lot more of responsibility, but at the same time, you impact so many lives. And the reward after it is, 
is awesome. So just really quickly then, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? I want to change. I want to change people's lives. I want to change people's lives. I want to impact them. I want to do something for, I want to do something for someone and someone looks back and thinks, you know what, because of this that she did, or because she made me feel this way, I can do this. And I want to impact people to change their lives for them to change the world. And, and no doubt you want to do it by doing something that someone's told you you can't do. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. We were connected through someone else because mm. you are working on a project. Yes. <laughs> Coming out of this entrepreneur uh, school, you've got a project to do. This is going to require a little bit of interpretation for mm. our non-American audience. Okay. Uh, so um, tell us about the, the project that you're doing, You Want Game. Yes. So I got connected to You Want Game because of one of the professors in the entrepreneurship program. He was an ex-college athlete as well. And he reached out to me, asked if I want to be a part of it. And basically what You Want Game is, it's a sports mentorship. I'm just going to stop you there okay. because we okay. already need to interpret. Okay. You Want Game. Yes. To a non-American, they won't know what that means. Um, I said this to my wife the other night and she was like, she wants to eat deer for dinner. Like <laughs> you, um, <laughs> my wife is English. So she, she didn't understand the you want game. Mm -hmm. Explain the Americanism. You yes. Want game. So you want game is almost like a, so game is the interpretation like for sports, right? Like competitive, that competitive edge, that drive, like, and so you want is like, you're asking someone like, you want game? Like, and it really just ties in sports and your competitiveness into like a title. But the motto and everything for the program called you want game is the game behind the game, which is the game of life. So before you go out and you're you're competing on the field or the court or or in the ring, what have you, there is the game of life that helps you get to that game. And that is the importance of the program You Want Game. It's a sports mentorship program for high school student athletes, which gives them these miraculous opportunities and tools and connection to world-class mentors to change their life in not only a personal way, but also a professional way and uh, an athletic way. So what we're doing in this program is we're giving these, we're giving these students the educational background from, we actually had a partnership now with the University of Houston for the Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship, which is the one I just spoke about. And what we're doing is we're taking the curriculum from that program, the number one program, and we're, we're narrowing it down to be more uh, understanding for high school student athletes. So we're connecting them to entrepreneurs that have been through the athletic scene. They've gone and they've lived their lives and now they're coming back and they're teaching this curriculum to them. And so little things and even like personal finance, you know, when you go into college, how do I budget when I get a stipend? How do I budget for my scholarship? How do I make sure that I'm getting my bills covered and everything? And then even personal branding, all these things that are, that are represented in business are also represented in life. 
which is the game behind the game, you know, personal branding. How do I represent myself when I walk into a room, when I'm meeting with potential coaches and I'm getting recruited, how do I, how do, what do I want my reputation to be? And also we're tapping into the mental health aspect of, of sports and being very driven. And, and like you had mentioned earlier, some students that go to college and then maybe they don't go professional, maybe they don't get drafted, preparing them for that possible plan B. You know, we obviously want them to, to achieve whatever goal it is that they want, but also giving them this mindset of you don't have to just go pro. You know, if at one point you don't want to do that, look at all these other possibilities that you can do because you were an athlete, because you already have that in your blood, in your veins, you have that competitive edge, you're very driven. And it's all that because of athletics, just because you didn't go pro or just because you didn't get drafted doesn't mean you can't be successful. Take that drive and put it into all these other opportunities. So when I got presented with it, I absolutely loved it. It was very near and dear to my heart. I feel very passionate about it. And so that's how we got connected because of my mentor, Jen. Here we are. But I mean, I think I think that one thing all, all three of us, you, Jen, and I can agree on is the importance of sports and athletics and what it teaches you about life. And yeah. I think sometimes we don't realize all the little things that sports has taught us and that that we really implement into our everyday activities. You know, there are certain things that people find extremely stressful, you know, oh my God, my assignment, and oh my God, so-and-so is gonna be mad at me. And, oh, uh, you know, all these little stressors where as an athlete, you know what it feels like to go through physical pain. You know what it feels like to get yelled in the face, to, to you know, to push yourself past that wall that other people haven't hit yet. So you know what it's like to kind of live and breathe in outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. So when you're pushed out of side of your comfort zone in the daily world, it's almost like nothing can phase you. You're like, I've been here before. I've experienced but, this pain. But you need someone to help you make those connections, don't you? Because yes, you don't exactly. just automatically translate that this is what I know as an athlete to this is how this helps me in the world exactly and that's what this program is doing it's it's we want to empower these students to understand you have the skill sets you have the potential you have the talent let me show you how great you are because you are and these are all the things that you can do and these are all the people that are going to help you get there with whatever it is that you want to do so yeah, I'm, right. I absolutely love the program. I cannot wait for it to get launched. We are so excited. Great. And that's for high school athletes, yes. uh, which high school in the States is for uh, kids from 14 to 18 years old. That's mm -hmm. who the program is for. Mm -hmm. Where are the kids from that are going to be applying uh, is it for a particular socioeconomic background? Is it, who's it for and where do they come from? How does it work? So there is no socioeconomic background that you need to be a part of. You do not have to even have a, a certain grade point average either to be a part of the program. I mean, of course, we don't want, we don't want students that don't take school seriously and, you know, are failing classes either, but it is not closed off or narrowed to any student whatsoever. 
um, as of right now, since the program is virtually, um, it is in discussion on whether we will be accepting students that are outside of the Houston area. But as of right now, as far as I am concerned, I believe it's within the Houston area that we're targeting. Um, but no, I mean, there's no specific um, background or area or thing that you need to have done or grades or or even even athletic performance. That's been a question too. Does an do, do you need to have a certain type of uh, athletic experience or performance to be a part of the program? Absolutely not. The thing that we want and that we're looking for in kids is: Are they headstrong? Are they driven? Do they understand that? that they want something bigger than themselves, that they want to make an impact in the world. And those are the kids that we're, that we're trying to attract and that they see the opportunity in this program. Good. And what exactly is your role in all of this? So I'm basically a, I'm like a facilitator. So I, I, I guess my official role, I'm technically an intern because, you know, I'm not, I don't have a designated role, but basically what I'm doing is since I have experience in the Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship, I'm also a recent grad from U of H, um, but I'm also a collegiate, I was also a collegiate athlete. I am tying the, I'm pairing the two together. So since I'm now working for U on Game, but I'm also have this background experience and I'm a part of the university in all three of those areas, I'm kind of joining the two and making sure that this curriculum is getting taught to these students and these students are understanding, you know, both sides. So I'm really just kind of like being the glue <laughs> to everything. At 20 years old uh, and yeah. recently graduated. I, I just love it. And why? Why is this project important to you? Because I know it can change someone's life. I know that with everything that we want to do, I know that these are things that kids need to hear. I know that it's important. Um, and even if 50 kids get into a program and only one of them gets impacted, that is one life that can change millions of lives. So I, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited for it. And I can't wait for these kids' eyes to light up. And I just want them to look in the mirror and see something so much bigger after they've gone through this program. Sure. I just love that. Everything you do is about making other people's lives better. Uh, and that just comes out over and over again. And I just find that fantastic. Finishing off... Mm -hmm. What are, you know, you're, you're just out of university. Yes. Uh, you're young. You've got this great double major. Mm -hmm. What are your, what are your future goals? What's your vision? Yeah. Yeah. So um, after graduation, uh, I did have some job opportunities that were, I was waiting on. And uh, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, uh, those did get put on pause. So I'm, I'm doing my entrepreneurial spirit has come out of me and I have multiple side hustles going on, but hey, that's okay. You know, the people who thrive in the middle of chaos, those are, those are the ones to look out for. You got to watch out for them. <laughs> but um, so I'm currently waiting to start my jobs in whatever position that may be, but long-term and what I want to do with my life. And I always say, I have to do this before I die. I know that sounds extreme, but I have to do this. If I'm on my deathbed, I better look back and say, I, 
I'm so glad I did that one thing. So what I want to do um, from my entrepreneurship side is I want to open up a self-defense and firearm training center for women. And that's wow. my, that is very close to my heart. I think that it's something that needs to be done. I think it's a necessity. And I've always said that people look at the three, that the three necessities for life are food, water, and shelter. And I believe it's four. I believe it's food, water, shelter, and protection. Because if you can't protect all of the things from these three necessities, you don't have them. And especially as a woman, uh, a woman in not only athletics, in, in academics, but in business too, um, people think that because you're a woman or because you look a certain way, you know, you aren't supposed to do these type of things. Or um, a lot of people don't understand that for women, you have almost this sense of, you have to have like this third sense of self-awareness anywhere that you go. If you go to a mall and you walk out into the parking garage, you need to look around, you need to make sure no one's going to come and grab your bag. No one's going to grab your purse. But I just, my dream is to empower women to know that they feel safe in their own skin and that they don't have to ask somebody to go somewhere with them because if they do go somewhere with them, they have in their mind, whoever comes up to me and thinks that they can try and do something to me is going to quickly regret it. <laughs> and it gives them this sense of, of strength, you know, to go out and do bigger things and, and make things happen that they probably wouldn't have done before because they didn't have that self-confidence in them. So that's my goal. And when I'm on my deathbed, I have to know that I did it. So that is in the works. It is in the works. It will happen. <laughs> that's awesome. I can't think of anyone I would rather send my daughters to than a five foot seven cheerleader <laughs> who throws shot put and discus to teach Aww. them how to be strong women who can protect themselves. That's, that's an amazing dream. And again, it's a dream that's all about making other people's lives better. Yes. Uh, your, your theme continues. Yes. Malaya, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You too. Um, we could do this for hours, I think. I have a feeling we're going to have quite a few more conversations. But thank you so much. Of course. Uh, you know, I, I don't mean this patronizingly when I say I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to be an inspiration to a heck of a lot of people. So well thank done. You. Thank you so much. Pleasure. And thank you for coming on the show. And I look Absolutely. Forward, I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Yes. Absolutely. Same here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sing When You're Losing. Please look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and anywhere you find your podcasts. If you found this helpful, please spread the word as well. And don't forget to subscribe or to check back for next week's exciting conversation. You can follow Malaya on Instagram at Malaya Pistacachi. That's Malaya, M-A-L-A-Y-A, P-I-S-T-O-K-A-C-H-E, Malaya Piscachi. And until next time, don't forget to sing when you're losing. <laughs>